Today we are studying Hebrews chapter 9 here on the Radio Bible Course, and we invite you to open your Bibles and follow along. Just prior to chapter 9 in our Bibles, the author wrote this, In speaking of a new covenant, he treats the first as obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Throughout this book of Hebrews, the author has been exalting Jesus Christ as superior to anything that Judaism had. This book of Hebrews, of course, was written to Jews, and they knew all about Old Testament worship. One might ask, why then does the writer in chapter 9 discuss the Old Testament worship? He wants to explain, I believe, that this worship was part of the obsolete covenant, and it was inadequate in dealing with the sins of the people. And in verse 8, he says this, By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary is not yet opened as long as the outer tent is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. And what he means by that is, as long as the high priest was going into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement and year after year without ending, that indicated that the way to the presence of God had not yet been accomplished. If it had, then there would have been no continuance of that Day of Atonement. So he discusses now in chapter 9 all about the worship under the first covenant, which, I remind you, he declares is obsolete and is vanishing away. Now I'm reading from chapter 9, verse 1. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary, for a tent was prepared, the outer one in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain stood a tent called the Holy of Holies, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, which contained a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Well, at first reading here in verses 2, 3, and 4, it makes it appear as though there were two tents. There was really one tent. It had two major parts surrounded by a court. Now, the size of the court was 150 feet by 75 feet, and it was enclosed by a seven-and-a-half-foot curtain of twined linen. He first describes the tent, the outer one, that is, where the lampstand was, the table, and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. Here was the candelabra. It was made of gold, and it burned continuously. Olive oil was burned there. There was the table of showbread. It was three feet by one and a half feet and it was covered with gold. And every Sabbath day the priest put down two rows of six loaves each of bread. 
This was called the table of showbread, and that bread represented the twelve tribes of Israel. Only the priest could eat that bread according to the law. Now in verse 3, he talks about the second curtain, or what we know as the veil. He said, Behind the second curtain stood a tent called the Holy of Holies, having the golden altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, which contained a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. This second curtain was embroidered in scarlet, purple, and blue, and only the high priest could enter that curtain once a year, and only on the Day of Atonement. It is called the Holy of Holies. That is where the Old Testament says that God's presence would be, and he would meet with the people there. This Holy of Holies, often called the Most Holy Place, was 15 feet square, and it had some articles in there that are of great significance, and they represent Jesus Christ. I think that's rather clear. First of all, there was the Ark of the Covenant. What's the Ark? It was a piece of furniture, like a chest. It was made of acacia wood and covered inside and outside with gold, expressing purity. Its length was only three feet nine inches, and it was a little more than two feet in the other dimensions. It had a lid on it called the mercy seat. The Bible talks about that mercy seat, which was sprinkled with blood by the high priest. This ark is described in Exodus chapter 25, and here's one statement which gives a summary of its significance. It says, There, above the cover, that is the cover of the ark, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Since God promised to meet his people there, you might think of that mercy seat, which is the lid of the ark, as the divine throne. Well, any time we come to the divine throne, we, as sinners, should expect justice, and that means punishment. But instead of judgment for our sins, it is transformed by the blood which is sprinkled on it into a throne of grace. Now, that has special meaning, and the writer pointed out that meaning in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, when he said, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Now listen to this, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That verse pretty well expresses there was a throne of judgment. It's God's throne, but it is now called the throne of grace, and we can find mercy there. So the high priest going into that holy of holies and sprinkling blood on that mercy seat symbolized what Christ someday would accomplish completely. That's why we can say the ark 
represented Christ or was a picture of Christ. It's called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. There were three articles in that ark, a golden pot that held the manna, a sample of the manna from the wilderness journey, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the Law of Moses. Now first, let's talk about the golden pot of manna. We read about this in Exodus chapter 16. Near the end of that chapter, we read, The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. I think it's clear that the manna represented Jesus Christ. It's made clear by John chapter 6, where the people came to Jesus after he fed the 5,000. And they said, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. From that discussion, I gather that the manna in the Ark of the Testimony back there in the tabernacle was a representation of the coming Christ. You see, all that the writer is describing here in Hebrews uh, chapter 9 is a picture of something to come, and it reminds us of what is written here in chapter 10 of Hebrews. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of those realities. So we might say that the manna was foreshadowing Jesus Christ. And just as the people ate the manna in the wilderness for 40 years, that sustained them miraculously. So Jesus Christ taught that he, as the bread from heaven, had to be eaten. Now he's not talking about communion service. He's talking about eating him by faith. John 6.35 makes that clear. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now another item in that ark was Aaron's rod that budded. The history of this is recorded back in Numbers chapter 17, and it follows the rebellion of Korah, where many people died in a plague. After the death of those 14,700 people, God said to Moses, 
Get a rod from every one of the tribes of Israel and write the name of the tribe on those twelve rods and put them in front of the ark. God said he was going to confirm which was the priestly tribe from among all of those because the people had been grumbling about Moses and Aaron. And so he said, whichever one of these rods buds, that's the one I have chosen. So they did that. And when they went back and looked, they saw that Aaron's rod, which represented the house of Levi, had not only budded, but it had blossomed and produced almonds. And that settled the matter. Now, this established forever a priestly tribe. And that family of priests mediated between man and God. They were the ones who offered the sacrifices, and the high priest especially, going into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, represented who? Represented Jesus Christ, the one who would enter the sanctuary in heaven on behalf of all of us. Well, our time has passed quickly. We'll have to continue this tomorrow. The Radio Bible Course wants to encourage believers to memorize the Word of God. We have developed a Bible teaching memory program which consists of printed cards containing the critical passages of the Bible. On the reverse side of the cards are teaching notes to ensure that the passages are understood. We also have a brochure which tells you how to succeed in Scripture memory. It's all yours for the asking and it's free. Ask for the memory program. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you to rejoice in the good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.